This is Rob Goldstone, editor of Current Directions in Psychological Science. Our guest today is Naomi Elmers, distinguished university professor at the University of Utrecht in the Netherlands, and she is the lead author of a freshly published article, Neuroscience of Moral Behavior, How Insights from Neuroscience Help Understand the Social Origins of Moral and Immoral Behavior. Thank you very much for being here, Naomi. My pleasure. In your article on moral behavior, in justifying the need for behavioral studies and even neuroimaging, you make the point that people's self-reports of the reasons for their own choices are oftentimes inaccurate and inadequate. Can you give some examples of what you have in mind of cases in which people don't seem to have privileged or actually even very good access to why they do what they do? Yeah, so we examined this um, a lot, for instance, in uh, workplace situations. Um, and there what we see a lot is that uh, people don't always pause uh, to consider uh, the moral implications of uh, the choices they make in the workplace, uh, for instance, for their clients or for the communities uh, that their companies are in. Um, and what we see there is that um, sometimes um, employees, uh, when they come in uh, to the company, uh, that they're being taught, uh, this is the way we do this, or this is how everybody does this, and they go along with that. And sometimes only afterwards um, when they're being questioned uh, whether they didn't consider um, that they might be damaging uh, other people's interests or damaging uh, the natural environment with the choices they make in the workplace uh, only then uh, sometimes they consider uh, these outcomes so this is one important reason um, that uh, we are convinced that people not always um, intentionally uh, decide uh, about the moral um, choices that they make because they don't always realize uh, the moral implications of what they're doing in every situation. Right, mm -hmm. Ab absolutely. So the, the moral choices that people are making are clearly influencing others, in fact, maybe having consequences for others is exactly what makes a choice a moral choice. So yes. what are some of the biases that people have when it comes to considering outcomes to others? For example, does it matter who these others are? Yeah, so we do see that as well. Um, and so this is also one of the reasons why we think um, for instance, all kinds of uh, integrity tests uh, that are sometimes used uh, to, uh, to examine people's um, moral um, uh, uh, choices or people's moral principles um, okay. are not very uh, good predictors of uh, their everyday behaviors. Mm -hmm. um, because uh, when you ask people, oh, would you help somebody or um, would you care for somebody who is in need? <laughs> uh, they would probably say, yes, I would be inclined to do that. 
Uh, but in practice, of course, uh, there's a limit to um, which people you can care for or which people you can help. And so in practice, people draw the line somewhere of uh, saying, okay, these uh, are what we call uh, members of my in-group. These are the people uh, that I can uh, care about. These are the people that I'm willing to help. And this is where it stops. Um, and so uh, we see that also uh, when we do experiments that it uh, even um, uh, goes beyond uh, um, issues having to do with uh, being familiar with these people or liking these people, but just the conception of uh, these are people like me or these are members of my own um, cultural group perhaps or uh, my own national group uh, or they are uh, other people or people in a different company. Um, then they are not uh, part of my uh, inner circle. And so I care less about their outcomes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when people make moral choices, to what extent are they reasoning based upon first principles of morality and what is right? Uh, and to what extent are they being swayed by the opinion of people in their groups? So if perceived group opinion is having an outsized influence on people, how do people internalize this group opinion when, when they're making their choices? Yeah, so I'm thinking that even uh, the way you describe it uh, is mm -hmm. not necessarily the way it happens um, mm -hmm. because the language that you use suggests that people know very well uh, what they would like to do or what they think would be the right way uh, to act and then they are being somehow uh, swayed or convinced uh, to act differently by others mm -hmm. and when we look at what actually happens it is not always that clear so what happens a lot is that people go into a particular situation with some kind of vague idea of what they're trying to do but it's mm -hmm. not always very clear what it means in a particular context so one of the one of the situations where we examine this uh, is for instance uh, people working in the financial sector uh, and so they get the assignments to um, serve their clients mm -hmm. okay so you go in and try to serve your clients and do a good job doing that but it's not always so clear what is in the interest of your client so if the client wants to have a loan and you know it's not a very responsible um, uh, decision to give this loan because the client won't be able to pay back so are you helping the client by giving uh, the loan so by doing what the client requests or do you helping the client by refusing uh, the loan and protecting them against future um, problems so this is just one example of a situation where you can go to work and to think, okay, I will make the right moral choice. I will try to help my client. But in a concrete um, uh, situation, it's not always clear what that means. And this is when the social norms and what people around you, or in this case, your colleagues, tell you what you are supposed to do or what the company stands for. Uh, is going to form um, your version of what is morally right and what is morally wrong in that situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So are there demonstrable cases then where people would actually make very different choices depending upon either who they're making choices about or who's watching from their group? Yes, and we also have uh, research evidence from experiments uh, that we do exactly like that. So we ask people to make decisions 
uh, and we tell them that somebody's watching them who is an in-group member or who is an out-group member or we give them feedback about the perceived appropriateness of their decisions uh, either from an in-group member who says oh everybody who is a good member of this group will act like this or from an out-group member and we see it makes a difference even if the recommendations that they receive or the feedback they receive is identical uh, we see that they weigh this information differently depending on whether they think it is uh, self-relevant or whether it's not self-relevant because these are members of their own group or members of another group mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so are there any things that you would recommend us as social psychologists that people can do to debias themselves or is it hopeless to think that we can debias ourselves yeah so i think the nature of uh, bias uh, is to some extent that we don't always realize that this is what we are doing uh, we certainly don't always plan uh, to do this uh, so i think the added value of the research that we do is to um, make visible that this happens and to um, uh, convince people that they cannot rely on their good intentions to do the right thing because they are just humans so they might be biased as well what what we get from the neuroscientific uh, uh, perspective on this uh, so when we try to um, uh, monitor their brain activity uh, what we also see is that um, we capture this process in the very early stages of uh, decision making or even processing information that people receive and what we see there is that sometimes uh, the type of conflict that you described so i want to do a and somebody else tells me it should be b uh, sometimes in the brain we see that doesn't even happen uh, so that people um, already internalize um, this information and they already perceive uh, the situation differently uh, and so if we know that uh, that they can't even distinguish between their own preference and what somebody else says so my last question is a broad one that hopefully connects with much of your day-to-day -day research as a social neuroscientist so what does brain imaging reveal about when and how people consider social information when making their choices so are there aspects of moral decision making that neuroscience is uniquely positioned to help us understand yes i think it does give us a unique uh, added value uh, um, on top of everything else that we can measure um, so what we know from uh, intentions is uh, what people say they are trying to do what we know from justifications is uh, how they interpret the behavior after the fact. And what we get from neuroscience is that we can monitor uh, online in real time uh, what happens in people's brains while they are making these decisions or while mm -hmm. they are um, performing these acts. And so one of the things that we can see there is whether people make a distinction first between um, uh, processing information about the situation then deciding what they would do then receiving the information about uh, what somebody else would tell them to do and then what they decide is this really the sequence or is it the case what we sometimes see is that people already internalize uh, the information they get from somebody else uh, for instance about how important the situation is 
-hmm. or how morally relevant the situation is. And we see that it already changes the way that they process and interpret and remember the information. And so uh, it is not just um, uh, an opposition between or what we call a cognitive conflict uh, between uh, your own preference and what somebody else tells you to do, but this allows us to see uh, that people already approach the situation differently uh, depending on uh, what they've been instructed to do by somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, and this is important information because it also tells us if we want to change this behavior, um, we uh, have to make a different uh, decision of what to do. Uh, so should we tell people, uh, oh, don't listen to others, just stick to your guns and do what you wanted to do? Or do we uh, have to um, prevent them uh, from even uh, being exposed to the information uh, of others that will change the way that they perceive the situation? And so knowing more about the uh, social neuroscience of what's happening in the brain while people make these decisions also tells us uh, what to do and where to intervene and when to intervene if we want to make changes there. Great, great. Uh, thanks for those great examples. Um, that's all we have time for in this conversation with Naomi Elmers. Thank you very much, Naomi, for the great conversation. Thank you.